0: So again, um, we're going to read one verse from Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. I'm going to pray again and then we'll get into into this verse. Father God, I want to thank you lord for the blessing of your words and i want to thank you for the encouragement that comes from being part of a community a group of people together who believe you who've received the grace of god and who are walking in fellowship with you god and are walking in fellowship with one another and father we 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 know we need you and we need your word and we're grateful for the the activity of your holy spirit convicting us and encouraging us and reminding us about jesus and father lord we thank you too that you've not called us to an isolated journey of faith but you've called us to be part of a group of people united in the same belief and who are encouraging One another. Lord, I want to thank you for the encouragement that I personally have been on the receiving end of recently in conversations, over food, with core group, with friends. Lord, I want to thank you through time, the ways in which you have led me because someone else uh, from this church has spoken to me, has reminded me of something that's true, has lovingly challenged me. And pointed me towards Jesus. Father, thank you, this is always your plan to inhabit a people to dwell amongst a people. And Lord, I pray continue, Lord, your good work amongst us, that we might joyfully be the kind of people that your your word depicts, Lord Jesus. So, Father, again, I just pray, Lord, let your word today stir us, encourage us, excite us, build our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, for those who were here last Sunday, you remember me saying that, um, well, I thought initially just for one week, might just take a, um, a sidestep from Mark's gospel, which we've been looking at for a while. Uh, and, uh, and, and look at this verse, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And as we were going through it I realised it felt to do it justice, I think this will be tackled in two weeks. So we did the first half or the first part of, the verse, uh, of this verse uh, last week. We saw that, that Paul is writing to these believers in Colossae to stimulate them to confidence again. In who Jesus is and what he's done. We saw that the Colossians have perhaps become um, lacking in confidence, maybe even a bit embarrassed. Other teachers, other voices, other kind of sophi- so seemingly sophisticated uh, points of view have been shared to dissuade them from just focusing on Jesus and just treasuring his word. Um, So they've lost confidence. Paul is encouraging them back to a wholehearted, single-minded, joyful devotion to Jesus and therefore a joyful devotion to his word as well. So the recap from last week when we looked at let the word of Christ dwell in in you richly, we considered, well, well, why? Why should we let it dwell in us richly? Well, because all scripture... It breathed out by God is sustaining, it's energizing, it gives us life, it's equipping, it trains us, it's heart-searching, which at times can be painful, but is so good, it's so important, so helpful because it leads us into producing fruit, fruitfulness, and it's faith-building as well. So we considered why we should let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly, and for a while we also considered How? Uh, By reading it, by memorizing it. We looked at that briefly at the end. Does anyone remember Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23 and the funny little tune that went along with it? Oh, should I get the microphone? Who would like a turn? I can't even remember it myself now, so that's like speaking it (laughs) out. Should have written that in my notes. For his... We have listened to it a lot in the car. <laughs> they are new every... That's the one. Come on, yes. <laughs> they are new every morning. Um, so we looked at some, um, some strategies, some ideas, some encouragements to really to, to meditate on God's Word, to have it dwelling in us personally. Uh, and that's not just to treat, it, treat reading God's Word and enjoying God's Word as, well, reading it as an end in itself, uh, we considered the, the, the critical Jewish leaders who went up to Jesus and Jesus said, look, you, you diligently study the scriptures and you think that by them you're saved, but you refuse to come to me that you might have life. So study, getting hold of God's word is never just a means in, uh, to an end, it's, it, it, or an end in itself, it's a means to knowing God better. Uh, That's what we we looked at last week. We're looking at uh, part two today, um, which is going to show us that, just some broad comments first of all, that what Paul has in mind is not just a personal application. So I personally uh, want to let the word of Christ dwell in me me richly. That's included, that's important. Um, But what Paul also has in mind is that the community, the believers, the church, has the word of Christ dwelling in them richly among them. Remember, these are people who don't yet have the benefit of the printing press. Uh, Therefore, they don't have their own personal copies of the Bible. They also don't have broadband internet. They can't listen to podcasts. And what a whole variety of different people have preached um, from different nations and different churches all around the world... um, But when they get together, they do have the Word of God. So it's unsurprising if um, the application is not just me personally and privately getting into the Word, as important as that is. It's, well, what's happening when the people get together? We want to let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly together, not just personally. And so it's corporate, it's not just personal, and it's, again, it's dynamic. It's not static. Can you imagine what happens to a pinball when the the, the lever is pulled back and there's a ball inside the pinball machine, the lever is let go and it flies into the top of the pinball machine. Now, the idea is not that the ball just drops all the way through, nothing happens and it comes straight back out again. The idea is, as it goes in, it's going to hit different bumpers and then it's going to ping. Uh, and uh, the, the momentum of the ball kind of increases as it hits different things and there's flippers at the bottom which you kind of control and uh, I'd love to sing you a song by The Who but we won't necessarily go there right now the, the, the ball is dynamic it, it moves it increases and that's kind of a, a picture of what God wants the word of Christ to be doing in us personally and together as a community that when we hear it uh, when we receive it it doesn't just drop through but we interact with it And we interact with it together um, in looking at what it means. Uh, That's my um, non-biblical metaphor. Uh, A biblical one would be just a reminder of the seed falling on good soil. And what happens? It interacts. We saw when we were in Mark chapter 4 that it, it, it goes beneath the surface into our hearts as it were and it, and it grows and it produces a crop 30, 60, 100 fold what was sown there's something dynamic going on when God's people together get hold of God's word so let the word of Christ dwell in you richly Paul goes on to mention if you like two ways in which the word of God is to dynamically move amongst us Um, uh, two benefits, two outcomes. If the word of Christ is dwelling richly in us, it will lead to something. It will lead to this dynamic um, activity together. I say there are two things. Each activity, each outcome, each benefit has has a key characteristic. And we'll see that as we go through. First of all is teaching and admonishing. Uh, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another. I'm saying that's one thing, but they're obviously two words. It's like two sides of the same coin. Um, Teaching and admonishing. Teaching is bringing something essentially positive, if you like. This is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus has done. This is the difference that Jesus does make. And admonishing has, it is essentially something negative, as we'll see. And we've seen this already, well, some time ago, uh, in Colossians, uh, when Paul describes his own ministry uh, in chapter 1. So in uh, Colossians 1 and verse 28, what is Paul really, really eager to do? He says there, This is like his driving force. This is his own personal mission statement, if you like. We proclaim him. We proclaim Jesus. Admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. What's his goal? What's his aim? What's his chief desire? He wants to present people perfect or mature in Christ. Therefore, what is he doing? Well, he's proclaiming Christ. He's... Preaching Christ. What does that involve? It involves teaching and it involves admonishing. We've seen him positively set forth Jesus to a community of people who've lost confidence or lost sight of just how special he is. So Paul is teaching them in chapter 1, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him, Jesus, and for him, Jesus. He, Jesus, is before all things, and in him, Jesus, all things hold together. And on he goes. He's setting forth Christ And on some occasions, they're also, in the context of this letter, he's writing to do what? Well, he's also admonishing them. So in chapter 2, verse 8, he's saying also, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. So the two things belong together. This is the way to go. This is the truth. This is the way. This is the life. This is Jesus. And this is stuff that's not going to help. So be warned and be encouraged. They go together. And then as we arrive at chapter 3, it's, as Paul is saying, well, this is my own personal driving force, as it were. This is my mission statement. This is what I'm about. This is what I'm keen to do. But quite clearly, for the, for the church of God to be growing and thriving and healthy, And having the word of Christ dwelling in it richly, it's quite clearly not just going to be about me writing a letter only. He's saying, what I am doing for you by writing this letter, do for one another whenever you meet. There's a a collective responsibility. There's a passion together to see the church fulfilling this important activity. So let the word of Christ dwell in you richly so that... This teaching and admonishing is something that's always happening. The word of Christ is always kind of bubbling up, it's always overflowing, it's always spilling out whenever we get together. um, So that together we're encouraging each other towards a maturity in our faith. Now, does teaching and admonishing sound a bit heavy, sound a bit grim? What exactly are we doing to each other? May I admonish you in the Lord? Sometimes, in in regard of churches, there can be concerns about heavy shepherding, um, where the shepherd or someone attempting to be a shepherd is just too hard, and is is not just saying here's the word of Christ, but you must do this, and you must kind of a hard, heavy laying down of the law. Um, you you've not only got to believe the truth, but you've got to do things my way. This is, this, is, this is how exactly you should have a quiet time. It must be at this time. It must be in this way. It must follow this scheme. It's, oh, really? And sometimes, maybe in our culture, in, in this country anyway, sort of fear of being the heavy shepherd or fear of being all perceived as cult-like means that we all just merrily back off. Don't say anything at all. Just leave... Every individual to their own personal private journey to make their own personal private decisions and let's not have any interaction at all. And so the word of Christ can ping into the top of the pinball. Oh, and it's just bounced through. No momentum, no life, no dynamic, no growing, no stretching, no challenging, no kind of learning. So just to be clear, admonishing, being admonished or admonishing someone else is not a kind of harsh angry confrontation. It's not, well, I'm irritated by this person, so I'm going to really let them know. I'm going to give them both barrels this time, because they really ought to know where they're going wrong. Take that. Um, It's not loveless criticism. Did you enjoy that? (laughs) That's that's not what it is, as fun as it might be to act it out. It's not that. It's not being hauled over the coals. It's not kind of having an appraisal with your very austere line manager at work who just wants to let you know your days are numbered, I'm watching you. It's not that. Now some people experience that. And so we don't want that to be reproduced in the life of the church. What is it? Well it's teaching but with an element of warning or caution. It's what Paul Uh, demonstrates himself when you think what does it mean to teach and admonish read the whole of Colossians and see see how warm Paul's tone is as he writes he says to them in in chapter 1 verse 3 we always thank God the father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints uh, look at verse 9 in chapter 1. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. He's warmly wanting to encourage them. He's not, this is not formulaic. It's, it's not just like this dry principle of, if you want to have a go at somebody, say something positive first and at the end. Um, I always thank God the Father for you when I pray for you. Now, here's what I really want to say. This is what you're doing wrong. But I always thank God for you whenever I pray for you. It's not lifeless. It's real, heartfelt, warm encouragement. But within the context of the letter itself, there is some admonishing. Going on, Paul writes in chapter 2, verse 1, I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged. This is Paul's purpose. This is why he's writing. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. It is both together and it has to be so. The tone is warm, he's encouraging, and yet he doesn't shy away from a direct question. Example. Chapter 2, verse 20. Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of the world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they're based on human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. They lack any value in restraining, sensual indulgence. So he's not shying away from asking a direct question. Well, if this is true, if you have been raised with Christ, why are you paying attention to these hollow philosophies that just impose man-made rules and regulations? They might look smart and clever, but they're not actually bringing any life. He's, he's trying to admonish them. He's trying to, uh, to warn them. Anyway, he's saying, to some extent, he is, I say perhaps, is ex- assuming well, that teaching and admonishing is happening. As you teach and admonish one another, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. He's assuming that to some extent this is happening amongst God's people. But what he isn't assuming is the quality or, like I said at the outset, the character. So what's the character that should go along with teaching and admonishing? With all wisdom. The reason to allow the word of Christ To dwell in us richly is so that when we teach and admonish one another, it's actually wise. It's helpful. Rachel and I were considering uh, just last night the, the positive and negative experiences that we have had recently and over the years of having other people teach and admonish us. There have been lots of positive examples. The positive ones I'll mention are the ones that have happened within the life of this church by being part of this community. We'll give you some negative examples with the details taken out um, of unnamed individuals out there in life, not in here in the church. Um, Sometimes people's well-intentioned comments or admonishings, I don't think have been based on Wisdom. The foundation hasn't been wisdom. It's been something else. They've been based on something else. There have been occasions where it's been based on fear. Um, Some years ago, Rachel was told by a Christian friend whose husband leads a church, for your own spiritual welfare, you should find another church to be a part of if your husband leads one. What was that based on? Was it based on the word of Christ and a vision of what ch- church life could be? I think it's probably based on fear, maybe mixed in with some personal experience. I know of you know, someone that's known for themselves, perhaps the challenges they'd faced in the church they were in. Does it sound like a wise solution to you um, that Rachel should find another church to go and be a part of? No, but then we are such a healthy, loving, vibrant community it's not necessary. Anyway, sorry, if I overplayed that one a little bit? No, they also said that I shouldn't have any friends in the church. Either. It's dangerous to make friends with people in your church. Yeah? <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, sometimes um, teaching and admonishing can be based on fear, can be based on personal experience or personal opinion. Uh, we've had this also with parenting advice. Uh, and again we won't go into the details but just to say this is my personal experience and therefore you must do the same Um, and sometimes we are prone to do that this is my opinion this is what's happened to me this is the decision that we made so just do the same now a personal experience can be valid Paul says to the Corinthians follow my example as I follow the example of Christ so hope to God that actually we're in a position where people can follow us and follow our own example but only insofar as actually we're following Christ. So what's it based on? Well it's based on Christ. It's based on him. It's not based on do exactly as I have done. Um, And if it is based on me, if it's based on me rather than based on Christ, the advice that I give will be unhelpful in a variety of ways. Um person I'm giving it to can just feel backed into a corner and then for me if I've given that and it's just basically my opinion and my thoughts or my experience and the person I'm speaking to says well actually no Um, then I feel rejected But if it's based on the word of Christ it's not me being rejected it's this is what I think the Bible says and then the person has a decision to make do I follow the word, do I follow this um, teaching or not uh, the content we found uh, this is positively our experience uh, occasions recently in conversations with, with folk in the church over a meal or just at the end of a meeting or something where we felt encouraged we felt our faith being built up even if it has implied or highlighted a, a personal failing um, we felt the content has just stirred us and encouraged us. Here are a few other things to consider in teaching and admonishing with wisdom, timing and frequency. We want to be the, the content to be wise, but also the timing to be wise. Um, that we're not going on a relentless crusade to hammer people every time with everything that's possible to be said. Uh, in Colossians a little bit further on in chapter 3 Paul will make this point to fathers in verse 21 fathers do not embitter your children or they'll become discouraged as a father it's possible to always say no that's not the right thing to do no 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 this way this way no no that's not right and just be so at it or at our children that even if it's accurate information it's just discouraging to be constantly reminded um It's not necessary for it to be entirely premeditated and strategic. I'm thinking in advance, this is what I want to say, this is what I I think this person needs to know. If the word of Christ is dwelling in us richly, um, it's bubbling up in the moment. There's no quota. We're not having to find a target every day. I must make sure it's happened. I must make sure I've spoken. It's about get hold of God's word and then allow this to happen. and take steps towards that not necessarily always quoting chapter and verse sometimes it can be that other times not I can remember my mum admonishing me and I've mentioned this a few times and I'll be brief uh, um, maybe during university years a friend said look bring your bass guitar come and join my band let's go to Cyprus for the summer and we'll, we'll, we'll be a band together we'll, we'll pool our resources we'll have a great time uh, non-Christian mates uh, and I was like, oh yeah, I could do that. And I spoke to my mum she said, no, just don't go. I felt affronted. And then uh, she didn't quote chapter and verse at me and say, this is what the Bible says. She just had an inkling for what was wise, knowing me fairly well uh, and knowing God and God's word fairly well. It was later on, the same day in a prayer meeting, I was just riling with it a little bit and I thought, oh, I'm, sure that, I'm sure Proverbs has something to say. It's a wise book. So I did that kind of just turn to Proverbs read chapter 1, got down to verse 8. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Oh, rubbish. (laughs) But it helped me no end. And as I read through that passage, I saw the parallels to the situation I described to my mum and what what the Bible was was warning me about. We need it. It's good. It's no bad thing. We have the, the opportunity to have the Word of Christ bubbling up dynamically amongst us in conversation we also can have it when we pray for one another Uh, on occasions like this or in core group or uh, informally at any time where someone's been describing a situation they want prayer for we've got the opportunity to pray now at that point we could just pray silently to God and he will hear have you ever thought why do we not do that God hears absolutely everything why do we need to say words out loud well of course we're praying to God and speaking to him, and we're asking God for help, and guidance, and wisdom, and to highlight scripture, and, uh, and to provide, or whatever the particular situation requires, we're also, as we're speaking to God, wanting the other person to hear. That they get encouraged, they get strengthened, that they get built up, that they get reminded of truth. And maybe you can recall being in that sort of situation, where you've been blessed by just being, having someone else pray for you, and it reminds you of what you're believing as well. In all of this as well, you know, there's no assessment for Christians like in their early years whereby they, they go through like a personality test, okay? Well, I think, you know, given your personality, given kind of how you work and think and so on, I think for you, the best thing would be be filled with the Word, and someone else gets a different profile, they go through the same questions and out churns the result. Hmm. I think it would be best for you to be filled with the Spirit. So you be a Spirit-filled Christian over here, and you be a Word-filled Christian over here. That's ridiculous. Um, We're called to be filled with God's Word and filled with the Spirit. That means that as we're praying for someone, we're listening to the Holy Spirit who may remind us of scriptures that are relevant in somebody's situation. And maybe it it means we're not just necessarily going on someone's uh, body language, but as we're praying for someone, just reminded. I was reading Isaiah 42 recently. A a bruised reed, he won't break. And a smouldering wick, he won't snuff out. Thank you, God. Maybe I just need to particularly bear that in mind as I'm praying for this person. It might not be very obvious from their demeanour, but I think you've highlighted that for a reason. That I'm going to tread carefully and gently and bring encouragement to someone. Um, so let us be full of the word. Let's, let's engage with the Holy Spirit to help us. Let's also marvel that we have a God who is all wise and understanding. Who, Paul writes in, at the end of Romans 11, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. He is wise and in a way that we will never understand. I think sometimes we kind of, when we come to God with our why questions, we expect that if He answered us, we would understand. Or, of course, we'd understand. No, God's wisdom is so unimaginably deep. But let's rejoice in the fact that He delights in revealing His plans and purposes, which is what He's done through the Word. There may be some secret things that belong to God, but let's delight in what He has revealed he's a God who delights um, to reveal his plans and purposes so teaching and admonishing with all wisdom another way in which the word of Christ dwelling in us richly bubbles up kind of has a dynamic effect to be something uh, else another activity Paul says um, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing Singing is something else that's also assumed. It's kind of assumed that, of course, in God's peop- amongst God's people, there'll be teaching and admonishing happening to some degree or another. It's also assumed that, of course, God's people are going to be singing. Um, Exodus chapter 15 is the first reference to singing, and it follows straight on from the Exodus. God's people, after 400 years of slavery, have just Been delivered. They've been rescued. They've been taken out of their captivity and they have been led and they have been guided through. The waters have parted. They've been led through the other side of the sea. The sea then has swamped and flooded over the enemies who were pursuing them. They are gone. They are free. So what do they do? Moses leads them and Miriam leads them in singing. Of course, it's the it's the natural A natural human response as a way of expressing joy and delight and I think it also stirs joy and delight so why do we sing well of course we sing we've been delivered from a slavery even worse um, than theirs and and so we see it right there in Exodus go right ahead to uh, Revelation as well and chapter 4 this heavenly vision um, uh, in chapter 4, no, chapter 5 and verse 9, it says there that they sang a new song. Why are they singing a new song? Well, they've seen Jesus. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. So we've seen something of Jesus, we've seen something of what he's done and the response is Singing. It's described here with a variety um, of songs, singing uh, psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. It's not uh, sensible particularly to be dogmatic or rigid on it, but those different terms must be there for a reason, to say there's there's a variety of ways in which the Word of God is bubbling up as we sing. We sing psalms, well obviously the Bible contains 150 of them, Songs composed to worship God. There are also hymns. It's thought that Colossians one, verse fifteen to twenty was an early hymn. It's something that would have been sung. And Philippians chapter two is thought to contain a song, something that was composed about Jesus. So we've got God songs, if you like, from the old testament. We've got more obviously Jesus songs that have been composed about him and spiritual songs. It could be that's songs that haven't been composed beforehand but are spontaneous and in the moment. So the word of Christ dwelling in us richly bubbles up and someone sings out a spiritual song or even kind of tentatively together we sing. Doesn't necessarily mean we're singing in tongues, though that can happen. It's We're singing with our own words. We're singing, something is is bubbling up. Music, there's something special about music which helps us to express emotion and grow in our appreciation for the one we are singing to and the one we are singing about. Praise God, it's not necessarily um, to be perfectly tuneful. Um, I think it's fabulous to make a joyful noise. And... uh, Indeed, on one occasion, just over in that side of the room with the doors closed, uh, when I went to leadership training, there'd be 12 of us gathered around a table, and for a few days we'd be looking at God's Word together and studying it, but we'd begin the day in, in worship. There would be no guitar. We'd just sing. And wonderful times of fellowship in God's presence. I remember one guy kind of making the observation afterwards, he just kind of, or, or some coffee break or another, just said, I wonder actually sometimes if we distract ourselves. Like just a, a, group, a small group of people... All singing. It was almost like we all tried to find a note that no one else was singing, like this rich harmony. And uh, oh yeah, they're singing down there. I'll try and sing here. Someone's singing up there, and uh, well, it could sound wonderful. But yeah, one guy said, "I think sometimes we can just distract ourselves and we just focus on making a pretty sound, um, manly kind of pretty." Um, we don't want to distract ourselves, but music serves us in expressing praise to God. Does that sound a bit twee? Well, it's possible that the, the connection here is a little bit different and that we are teaching and admonishing one another as we sing. That actually raising our voices together, it does us good. It, it, it leads us uh, to Jesus. Hearing truth sung blesses us. Again, the, the activity is assumed. Of course, God's people are singing. But what about the character? What about the quality? That isn't assumes Paul is saying let the word of christ dwell in you richly so that when you sing it is with an as o- an overflow of gratitude it's possible to sing it's possible to make a nice noise it's possible to make a really loud noise and think oh yeah that was great um but for little gratitude to be involved you know, it's always tricky to evaluate a time of worship because it's this hidden unseen character of well what's going on in the heart?" However there can be perhaps sometimes when I I wonder if today Oh, I'm not saying about today but on occasions are people's heads a bit down? I wonder what's what's going on at a heart level almost because the sound doesn't sound that joyful. It's a a quality that, that can't be quantified. It can't be easily identified and it can just be hunch and nothing more. Just a sense of oh, I wonder... Well, I wonder, are people enjoying the grace of God? We can be thinking, oh, make sure that you're singing with gratitude. Sounds like, oh, we've got to pay God back. He's given us something wonderful. Now we need to kind of make an installment by singing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done. I hope hope we're acceptable to you today. It's not talking about that kind of a payback mentality. It's because in my heart, I'm so appreciating all that God has done for me, it bubbles up. So one way of saying, teaching and admonishing with all wisdom and singing with gratitude or singing with an awareness of grace. That's what I love about Ephesians uh, chapter 1 verse 3 well all of Ephesians but in the, in the translation I normally read from it would say praise be to the God and Father our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. But there's a a close similarity between the word praise, which is what we're doing, and the word blessed, which is what God is doing. And so, another translation um, in the ESV, probably for example, would be, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us." And I think that's how the pinball works. We have received amazing blessing and Ephesians chapter 1 unpacks it and loads of other places unpack it as well and as it dwells rich, as the word of Christ dwells richly in our hearts it's kind of bouncing around on the inside just an awareness of my goodness the grace of God is phenomenal and I'm bowled over by it and therefore of course it's, it's gushing out in songs of praise to him so let us have the word of Christ dwelling in us Richly, personally, privately, reading, memorizing, meditating, enjoying, varying how we get hold of it, what different strategies and ideas we get hold of at different times. Let's believe that personally and individually, um, that prayer from the Psalms can be open, answered. Oh Lord, open my eyes that I might see wonderful things in your Word. God is a God who's wanting to reveal himself and he's chosen to reveal himself through his word which is living and active and heart-searching and life-giving and equipping and training and fruit-producing and faith-building. Let's allow it to dwell in us richly that we might know him better, that it might fuel our worship, fuel our prayer, fuel our faith and then that as a people together it bubbles up as we teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as we sing psalms hymns and spiritual songs with and to one another with gratitude in our hearts to God that's the the vision as it were that Paul has a community of people where the word of God is just Dynamically and always bouncing around. There's this chain reaction of encouragement pinging around the church. Life is growing. A harvest is coming because we're enjoying God's word together. Let's pray and let's sing. Father God, we do want to thank and praise and bless your name for all the blessings that you've poured out on us. Father, we don't just want to focus on externals and how does it sound and what's my own personal experience. We want to be preoccupied with truth, with your life, with your word, with who you are, what you have done for us. I pray, Father, for us that there would be a growing confidence in the wonderful and reliable, truthful word of Christ I pray oh God that it would dwell amongst us richly I pray this this chain reaction of encouragement even as we pray together talk together Lord if Sunday just results in pinging a ball into a pinball machine Lord I pray let it have its effect amongst us that dynamic effect even where we do kind of have our shortcomings highlighted but actually the main thing being highlighted is what's true about Jesus and we find that we've been drawn on we're being stirred and encouraged and strengthened ready to follow you thank you Lord God amen let's stand together and sing